As for the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, please be seated. What is the value of eternal life? The sower knows the value of eternal life. That's why he casts his seed, whom our Lord tells us is the precious word, upon all manner of soil, whether it be fruitless or fruitful, he casts on path, on rocky ground, in the midst of the weeds, and yes, even on good soil. God desires that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. The sower knows the value of the word because it brings men the value of eternal life. We must not, especially in this day and age, see the squandering of that word, see the rejection of that word, and change our esteem for the word. The word is sown to bring eternal salvation, eternal life, that greatest of all gifts to men. We can certainly also say that the devil knows the value of eternal life. And that's why he spends every waking moment that he can subverting the word. He's more than content if the word of God is on every single phone in America as long as no one ever opens the app. He is perfectly fine with the word of God being preached faithfully from every pulpit in America as long as that word falls on hearts as hard and dead as the pathway upon which men walk. He appears in our Lord's parable as the bird that snatches away the precious seed because he knows the value of eternal life. We heard in our epistle lesson as well how St. Paul valued eternal life, what he was willing to suffer in order to have it and in order to proclaim it. Countless beatings, among so many other sufferings, often leading to death, and then he goes on to name some of these, to be lashed 40 times minus one. That is the strongest corporate punishment one could receive at the hands of the Jews. And he received this in the synagogue, save for the imposition of death. Paul was beaten to it within an inch of his life by rods. And he was even stoned, which meant that a dozen or two dozen or so men hurled fist-sized rocks at him until he fell unconscious and they thought they had killed him. Miraculous or no, he came back to and rose and carried on in the faith because he knew the value of having eternal life and the value of proclaiming that eternal life to others. In fact, 
Paul even says once himself, if I could go to hell in order that my brothers might go to heaven, if I could experience eternal death so that they could have eternal life, I would do it. St. Paul, not at all like that rocky soil where the seed, the word of God falls and it is received for a time with joy, but then trial comes, then suffering comes and instantly withers and dies. No, Paul holds firm as the good soil he is to that implanted word no matter the cost because he knows the value of eternal life. Our forebears knew the value of eternal life. They did not let the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life choke out their faith. They knew what mattered. They compelled us with the word and teaching of God in breakfast tables, churches. They spent their money not on worldly pleasures, but building this sanctuary, the infrastructure that we enjoy. There is good soil all around us and good soil that has preceded us. That's why we have the faith. It was faithfully handed down to us by people who know what really matters, what really has value in life. And so they eschew the cares, the troubles, the riches and pleasures of this life. Indeed, how valuable is the gift of eternal life that we have freely been given. On that day, the wealthiest men in the world would give every last cent they have to be saved, to enjoy eternal life with God. Of what value is it then? Not only does the sower know, not only does Satan know, St. Paul and the other apostles are forebears. But above all, God himself knows. God himself knows how precious eternal life is. For the truth is, when you die, the screen doesn't go blank. You're not annihilated. You don't cease to be. You either go into eternity in the presence of Jesus and his Father, and that is life. Or you go into eternity apart from Jesus and his Father, and that is death. The value of eternal life with God is so great that God spared no expense. He gave his only begotten Son. As any father will tell you, there is nothing more valuable than his child. The father gives that which is most valuable of all for us and for our salvation. And you have been purchased, not with gold or silver, that's far too worthless. You have been purchased with nothing else than the blood of Christ, which is indeed the blood of God. 
so valuable is eternal life that God would purchase it for you and for all at the cost of Jesus' blood. But pastor, what if I've given myself over to a covetous heart? What if I envy, I'm never satisfied? What if any chance I get, I'm getting on my phone and shopping for just one more dopamine hit? What if I have denigrated myself, acting not like a human redeemed by Christ, but by a mere consumer? The blood of Christ has paid for all those sins. But pastor, what if I have reveled in juicy gossip? What if I have trashed people behind their backs? What if I have ruined their reputation in the family or the workplace, the congregation or the church? The blood of Jesus has paid for all those sins. What if I have made false accusation of the false sins of this age? What if I have accused others of racism or homophobia or hate speech or anything else that is largely in our context an absolutely false sin, no more sinful in God's sight than having too large of a carbon footprint? The blood of Christ has paid for all those sins. What if I have given myself over to all manner of greed and avarice, all manner of gluttony, consuming and consuming, not only until I'm satisfied, but until I'm stuffed and can't consume anymore? What if I have given myself over to drunkenness and to despair, medicating and medicating, even committing suicide by bottle? The blood of Jesus has paid for all those sins. What if I have given myself over to lewdness, to pornography, to sexual sins of every manner? What if I have covered myself in shame and filth? The blood of Jesus has paid for all those sins. What if I have had an abortion? What if I have told my wife to have an abortion? What if I have supported abortion with my voice or with my vote? The blood of Jesus has paid for all those sins. What if I have broken the heart of my husband by not submitting to him? but by being haughty and arrogant and combative? What if I have offended the Lord by not exercising authority over my wife and children in the home? The blood of Jesus has paid for those sins. What if I, in every way, shape, and form conceivable, 
have lived as if God did not matter, as if I mattered most. My worship and my prayers have become empty shells. I've let my heart give over to despair and unbelief. What then, when I have committed the greatest of all sins because they are sins against the greatest of all, the one true God? The blood of Jesus has paid for all of those sins. Do we go on sinning that grace may abound? Of course not. That's crazy. Christ hasn't died to set us free to sin. Christ died to set us free from sin. No, we do not go on sinning that grace may abound. But even so, grace does abound. And the blood of Christ covers over your sins like the entire ocean covers over a single grain of sand. They are lost forever in the ocean of his grace. Otherwise, grace is not grace. Grace abounds. Like when you were a little child and you looked out the window in the car ride at night, and no matter how fast or slow Dad drove the car, the moon was always going the same speed. That's like grace. We do not go on sinning that grace may abound, but grace does abound. Christ has paid for every sin that ever has been committed, is being committed, or will be committed. He has paid for it all with his own precious blood. Because eternal life is worth it. You reconciled to God is worth it. So receive then this seed, this word, into your heart and hold it there firmly because the devil may come after you. Suffering may come for you. The cares, riches, and pleasures of this life may try to choke out that precious word and its fruitfulness. But hold that word, hold the Lord Jesus Christ in the good soil of your heart. And you can simply embrace the shame of your sins. Embrace the reality of who you are. Because Christ has not been ashamed to embrace you. Indeed, that is why his arms are outstretched on the cross. To embrace you. He is not ashamed of you. He is not ashamed to call you his brother and his friend. He embraces you in your sin. Because by his very blood he has paid for your sin. And opened the way to heaven by grace and by grace alone. Hold firm that seed in the good soil of your heart and it will bear fruit in this life and for all eternity to come. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.